Hi, Natalie. Hi, Tracy. I just totally brain fart. What are we talking about today? We're going to talk about the story in our head. Oh, I make up stories in my head all the time. Oh, I do too. I'm really good at this. I am really good at sitting down with you and listening to you tell me about the story in your head and then saying to you, okay, but let's, let's separate facts from fiction. Okay. Right. What's in your control? What's out of your control? What really matters? Like, I'm good at taking all those steps and walking through those with you. <laughs> but when it comes to me, I'm awake at 3 a.m. because I was woken up at 1.30 <laughs> with a something. And now I've created a narrative in my head for the last hour and a half. This is how great novels are written. This is... This is like, I feel inspired and I come up and there's something going on in my head. Well, yeah, the story in my head. So there was a quote that I sent Natalie that showed up on my Instagram feed. And it said, you act like it's you against the world, but it's really just you against yourself. And I honestly was like, uh, yeah, this. Like, this is the epitome of where I'm at, friends. This is like... The story in my head and I just you just can't even make it up <laughs> no they're so nuts but I'm the same way that you are I will happily sit with a friend and talk through this is what I hear you saying and what's actually real and what's not real so why can't we do it with ourselves or how do we get maybe not why can't we because I think I can but how do we get better at naming the stories in our head but this is why every therapist everywhere has recommended journaling when you put it down in front of you and you can look at it you're able to say okay now wait a second and sometimes i, I don't know about you but I'm a, I'm a visual person yeah same and so even though i write mm -hmm. i do much better with pictures and so I can do diagrams and I can do charts and I can take notes and then connect things with arrows. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh -huh. And then I start to realize, okay, there's, there is not... No rational thought. You know, there, you are not alone in this world. You are not... Um, uh, people aren't out to get you. You know, it's there's this is just the story you created, and now you have to decide, Natalie, how you're going to move forward. Are you going to let this paralyze you? Are you going to let this sabotage you? Or are you going to move forward, take the next breath, take the next step, allow yourself some peace? Sometimes. Okay, so that allowing yourself peace, that's a, that is a privilege. Like, we need to give our, ourselves permission to do that. But we also need to recognize that when we have done that, we've done a big deal. We've done a big thing. And celebrate that. Yeah. My gosh, there's so many things that you just said. Okay, so number one, journaling. I hate journaling, by the way. I have so many journals. I do too. So many journals. Like, I actually, 2023... I told a couple people this, and now I'm telling all of our podcast listeners, I cannot buy another journal until these are all complete. Not finished, right? They're never finished. A journal is never finished. But like, I use the first quarter of it, and then I abandon and go to a new journal because it's like this new chapter of my life. So maybe that's it. Every journal is a new chapter, and I have all these chapters, which actually isn't wrong, but man, stop buying more journals. So... Anyways, 
I do like journaling, but I'm not good at it in the moments in which I probably need to journal the most. Yes. Yeah. Well, nobody is. I mean, we get all these tools. We have all these great uh, coping mechanisms that we're taught. And until we become routine and using them, first I have to just time out because I'm not sure we're going to be able to cut any of that background noise out. <laughs> so I need to explain that my dog is totally fine. He's just mad that Tracy's here and he can't be sitting on her lap right now. <laughs> so so we, we have all these coping tools that we can start implementing. But if we are not in the habit of using them, if they're new to us, they're really hard to utilize they're because we forget about them. Natalie, I mean, I have decades worth of journals. Like decades worth this is not a new skill <laughs> okay well then let me ask you this are we not journaling because we don't want to do the actual like we just don't like the act of a journal or it's inconvenient or are we not journaling because then we would have to face a reality yes. that we maybe don't want to yes. process okay yes so that's so that's so that's a thing right so my issue <laughs> is that i don't have it easily accessible because i have 27 journals yeah. sure yeah but they're all in 27 different spaces, and none of them are where I am. Oh. Or, here's my favorite. <laughs> I have the journal. Maybe I even have five of them, but I can't find a pen. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I, yeah, no, mine are all in a spot. I know where they are. I can access them at any time. I need to give myself permission to take the time to journal. And realizing, like, I can probably write it all out, like, just brain dump in a matter of five minutes. And I don't need to really, like, tell myself, I need to devote an hour to journaling. Number one, that's not real. Number two, I don't really need that long to journal. Um, but then I think the second thing is what you said. Like, I need to be in a headspace or at least in a space that putting all of the thoughts on paper is something I'm choosing to do and I'm okay with whatever shows up on the page. So again, journaling without judgment and getting curious about what is actually showing up on my page and why. Journaling without judgment comes back to the whole idea of it's not really you against the world, <laughs> it's you against yourself. Mm -hmm. So we had that whole conversation about being curious mm -hmm. and not judging. Mm -hmm. Again, super easy to do for other mm -hmm. people. Yeah. But so self-critical. So then what about just asking yourself in those moments when we are so stressed and we're convinced that success just isn't going to come to us or we've made a mistake or we're in a season that we're never going to grow out of. How about in those moments, instead of feeling defeated, we get curious? With ourselves. With ourselves. Like, what is yes. next? What is next? What could, how about instead of saying, oh, this is what's next, how about we say to ourselves, what could be next? Or what do I want to be next? And then how do I get there? Now, I do much better with note, uh, workbooks than I do with journals. Mm, sure. Which is like really ironic because I am a, I'm a writer. I much prefer somebody sure. else give me the workbook because those prompts force me to get out of that spiral mm. of negative self-talk. 
So it's like having a conversation with somebody. Right. But it's not, I mean, there's not somebody there. It's just this workbook. I don't like workbooks because I'm a recovering perfectionist, uh-huh. which means if there's a workbook, I need to fill in every blank and I need to mm. make sure that it's the right answer. And like my brain goes back to probably elementary or middle school in which I needed to comply and complete in order to feel valued as a student in a classroom. Um, Another podcast for another day. But that's where the just act of journaling. And I'll use prompts or ideas to be able to get started, like if I'm stuck or if I'm spinning. But yeah, I need it to just be able to free flow so that I don't hit any obstacle that actually then kind of triggers my perfectionism. When you said taking the time to be curious with ourselves and our thoughts, I really like that. And it made me think of this idea of we don't should on others. And so we shouldn't should on ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think I was probably 26 years old-ish when my friend said to me, you should actually, let me rephrase that, because I hate being shoulded, so I'm not going to should you, but have you ever considered, and I don't even remember what that conversation was about, but I realized here is somebody who is respecting me and my choices, Mm -hmm. and, um, and not telling me what to do, and and not wanting to tell me what to do, yeah. And so, I I love that we don't should others, mm-hmm. or we should try not to should others. Do you see what I did there? I, do. I told yeah. you what you should do. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm just contradicting myself right now, but except that I do say don't should on yourself. Yeah. Don't should. <laughs> Isn't it great? Like, don't shit on yourself. Don't shit on others either. And that actually, like, that came out of my yoga teacher training and the amazing teachers that I um, have learned from. Like, that was always a thing whenever we were at retreats or whenever we were at training that it was don't shit on yourself. Don't say, oh, I should get up early and go to the first class. No. If you want to sleep in, sleep in. So I had somebody (laughs) say to me in a training once that... When you go to bed, keep a notebook and Mm -hmm. a pen next to your bed. So when you wake up at 3 a.m. and you're startled with those ideas that cannot keep that keep you awake and you cannot get to sleep now because you're Mm -hmm. obsessing over them because that's Mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. um, You can write them down and now they're off your brain and you can visualize dumping Mm -hmm. them onto another thing. Okay, except for here's what happens to me. (laughs) So I start jotting down what kept me awake. And then I start jotting down what kept me awake last night and then the night before. And then what distracted me earlier, I start writing that down. And I next thing I know, I've got like seven pages <laughs> of things I need to do or address. And then I'm sitting there looking at these seven pages, feeling way overwhelmed. Yeah. And what I have just done is I have just shoulded myself a whole bunch. And it, that was not productive. But what if you just accept it with non-judgment? Like, like, it's just, I'm not rereading. I'm just, again, what I heard you say is I'm visualizing this word dump from my brain to the piece of paper. It is now on the piece of paper. I'm doing nothing with it right now. There's no expectation. There's no judgment. It just is, which actually is a form of meditation. Like, the idea of meditation is really just sitting with yourself 
And whenever a thought comes into your mind, just seeing it as like a cloud floating by. Mm -hmm. I see it, and there it goes. I see it, I acknowledge that it's there, and it moves on. So that actually works better for me than the writing it down. Hmm. Because in my mind, if it is a passing thing, I can allow my breath to help facilitate the movement of that thought through my mind and out like through one ear and out the other um and i think it comes back to the whole you know mind body connection absolutely focusing on that breath distracts me from the mental overload so meditation is something that i'm still learning so when you're laying in bed at night Mm -hmm. or if you're having a moment during the day and you start that spiral that downhill spiral from you know uh, where you start the negative self-talk and the, the f- exhaustion sets in. Um, do you find yourself able to practice meditation? I know this is a personal question, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> but I shouldn't say it that quickly. I mean... And is, okay. is, that, is so there a problem take... with that, though? No. Well, okay. So let's actually take a recent experience. So... I think there's levels. So I'm in a transition right now with work. I have transitions happening in life with a relationship, with a son graduating, right? Like we've talked about some of these things, having a daughter who's going to be a teenager, right? Like there's just a lot of transitions happening. And most days it's great. Most days it's it's going to be what it's going to be. I can live in a space of acceptance and everything's great. Um, And not everything's fine, that's different. Everything truly is great because it just is and we're engaging and appreciating every moment that we have. And then there's days or moments in which it's one thing after the next, after the next, after the next, and it just compounds. Mm -hmm. And this is common. Yeah. I mean, this is true for everybody. Yeah. And in those moments of it compounding, I need to talk it out. That's the way I'm going to be able to move past the compounded anxiety, stress, situation, fill in the blank, right? But where I think meditation and journaling are helpful is before I get to that compounded level. So like the in-between. Oh, sure. Right? That makes and sense. And so when it becomes more of a, a regular practice, mm-hmm. and I make a point not to say daily practice, because again, perfectionism, if I don't do it one day, now I failed and then I give up forever. So instead, right. I'm going to engage in a regular practice of yoga, meditation, journaling, using affirmations, right? Mm-hmm. Things that have allowed me to stay more centered and more grounded and more preventative and supportive sure rather than when the compound happens and i'm like all right i'm done yeah i can't do anymore and then also i i when we recognize what we feel to be heavier then and we say oh i know that's heavy and i know that i need to work through this now before it it escalates Mm -hmm. um then we can utilize the tools in our toolbox Mm -hmm. and for some people, it's talking with a friend. For some people, it's going for a run. So, I mean, we all have different uh, processing preferences. 
Um, but I think you're right. Those habitual practices can make a big difference. And going back to the routine, okay, or the habit, not, but it doesn't have to be daily at this time, mm-hmm. et cetera. Reminding yourself small steps. And give yourself grace. Yes. yes. And that's, and for some people, that routine is fantastic and they thrive in that consistency and have that discipline. That is not me. And that's okay. I've had to come to a place of, you know what? Today, it happened. Tomorrow, we shall see. Right? Just depending on where we're at. But it is, it is putting those tools in your toolkit as a regular practice so you can either be more equipped when things get really hard and or be able to engage in those practices so that when it's really hard, when you're engaging in those practices regularly, it kind of maintains that yes. groundedness, that calm, that peace. And when it's not that, again, I go back to stop shooting on yourself, give yourself grace. But what I heard you say was name it, like the ability to name that this is where I'm at and name it without judgment. And then I think the beauty truly comes when I can name it without judgment with someone that I care about. Oh, that is, that is beautiful. The importance of naming it though, I cannot stress enough. We have to be able to say, I know this is what I'm upset about and it's okay. We don't need to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it goes back to my belief that we all have the same struggles, same stories, just different details. Yeah. We all have something that is overpowering. We all have something that we feel shamed by. We all, I mean, there's all sorts of things. I think another thing that we need to consider when we have this conversation about you, it's not you against the world, mm-hmm. it's you against yourself. I think you need to recognize that you're first not alone in this world. Hmm. So who is in your corner? Yeah. And and we at some point need to actually stop and look at that and recognize that and embrace that. Hmm. And it may seem as if nobody's in your corner, but you need to and we really need to just be honest with ourselves and say, "Okay, if I were to if I were sick today, mm-hmm. who would be able or willing to bring me or who could come and help me in this situation? Who is my emergency contact? And we don't actually need 25 people in our corner. We just need one. And it's okay to have just one person in your corner. If you're somebody who feels as if you've got 40 people in your corner, well, that's really awesome. You're you're a very fortunate person. But even just having one person in your corner is a, a huge gift. And... We do need to stop trying to carry the world all by ourselves and recognize that we do have that in case of emergency contact. Yeah, that's such a great reminder. And I connect with that because I am someone that I have very few really close relationships um, as compared to all the people within my network. Like it's a very it's a very large network and I love that but really if it's going to be who are the people I'm going to call that is a short list the other thing I was thinking about as you were talking about who's that emergency contact is really why 
are they the emergency contact? So it goes back to, I know I can talk to you about anything and there's no judgment and there is just complete and total support. It goes back to who are the people in your life that you can engage in hard conversations with, that you can be vulnerable and say and name, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm feeling, and that person is willing to just hold space for that and not feel the need to fix it, not feel the need to take it on for you, but just someone who is there without judgment. If we are looking for somebody to be that person for us, okay, what is it we want from them? And then if we want that from somebody, we also need to ask ourselves, are we being that for others? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying go around and be that for every single person you encounter because you cannot take... No, you cannot take on everybody's issues. What's the inner circle, right? Like right. I'm doing it with my inner circle people. But um, being patient with others when they confide in you, mm-hmm. and allowing yourself also to be vulnerable with them, because one thing that I used to do is when I was a new mom, and we had moved away from our home community, and we were starting our own little lives on our own, away from anything familiar. I would tell people, yeah, come on over. And then I would say, but I'm not going to clean my house for you. And then I would clean like a mad lady. (laughs) And it would be super, super tidy. And then that way when people would come in, they would think, oh, look, she's got it all together because this is what her house looks like when it's not cleaned. I thought that that was actually going to be in my favor, right? Well, what I actually did is I (laughs) ostracized myself from people. Because they thought, oh, I can't keep up with her. Right. She's, um, she might cast judgment on me. If this is her reality, there's no way she's going to accept me and all of my dirty truths. <laughs> and right. then when I realized that people were, I was making them uncomfortable as opposed to impressing them, hmm. I was embarrassed. Because that's actually not who I am. If you showed up at my house unannounced, you would walk into... A, a total a lived mess. In no, a lived-in <laughs> home. You'd walk into chaos. That has four children, two dogs. Nope, one dog. One dog. Two cats. Three, three cats. cats. Oh gosh. Okay. There's so. a lot of feet in my house. But I wanted people to think that I had it all together, and I didn't realize what a disservice I was providing myself mm-hmm. and others. Because then, when I started being vulnerable and saying, "Hey," I'm not cleaning for you. And then I really didn't clean for them. Mm -hmm. Actually, the first time I did that, a friend had agreed to babysit my kids so that my husband and I could go out for his birthday. I said, I'm sorry, I didn't clean. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, okay. And she walked in and she said, oh, you didn't clean. And I said, I'm so embarrassed. And she said, I love this. (laughs) This feels like home. And um, it was at that point that I realized if I am vulnerable with others, we can connect in a more genuine manner. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we... And, and you're going to attract the right people. Oh, 100%. Yes, yes. This is when I started making real friends. Right. And not only making real friends, but my confidence boosted. Yeah. Because I was able to embrace myself. Yeah. So now, because I allowed myself to be vulnerable with others, 
They felt more comfortable being their genuine selves with me. And then I didn't have to feel like it was me against the world. I still do sometimes. But overall, I felt more comfortable. I, I realized, who cares what the world's saying? Mm-hmm. What I've got is a group of people who are willing to walk in to my five baskets of unmatched socks yes. and 28 feet and <laughs> whatever else is lying around. We're not going <laughs> to itemize it all. <laughs> but what you're talking about there is... The original story in your head was, I need to show up a certain way in order to feel valued or in order to be a person worth being a friend with. Where in reality, showing up as your most authentic self attracts the people who are going to be friends that add value to your life. And so how that that story, and that's like, I think there's a couple layers in this too, right? In the sense of that particular story is almost like comes out of the societal expectations, right? That your your house looks like it just came off of HGTV and it's like, okay, well, I don't know about you, but I got kids throwing, you know, baseball stuff on the floor and right, like you come to the house and it's going to be lived in. And I started using that language when my kids were really young that I I would say like, my house is lived in. I have two small kids. And if that's a problem for you, don't come over. Like we can go grab coffee somewhere else. But my house is going to be lived in because I don't, I don't find joy coming home and feeling like my house needs to be immaculate and now that isn't bringing me joy or bringing me peace. Going back to the idea of how it's not really us against the world, it's us against ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think even in the last three years, so I had been in another community in another state and then moved to where I am today. It wasn't until I moved away from home, Mm -hmm. okay, that I realized I didn't need to make friends with certain types of people I could just be open to all types of people. Mm -hmm. But I had told myself at some point that I was pigeonholed. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And now I've moved back to this community and there's all sorts of people that I knew once upon a time Mm -hmm. and a different season of life Mm -hmm. that I never affiliated myself with because we were in different different, uh, seasons ourselves. Right. Or I told myself that I wasn't worthy or deserving of pursuing that relationship. And now here I am pursuing those relationships or being not even pursuing them, but being open to them. Right. And they're naturally developing. fruition. Yes. And, and so we are, we are very good friends, but this was not a relationship I would have predicted. Oh gosh, no. Yeah. No. Because because I believe to one of the early episodes. (laughs) I I believed. Why would, why would she want to be friends with me? That was the story I told myself. With with you, with many other people. Why would they want to be friends with me? What value am I to others? And that is the idea of it's not me against the world. It's me against myself. Exactly. And it starts with that idea of worthiness, self love. And that intrinsic care and value of yourself first. Okay, so 
I love the idea in these situations or in this conversation of being open to things. So when we tell ourselves that we're, it's us against the world, how about you just be open to the idea that the world's out there for you to explore, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many experiences I would have denied myself if I had not been open to the possibility. If I would have continued to believe that it was me against the world, mm-hmm. I never would have had those experiences. But instead, I told myself, the world is out there for me to be open to. Yeah. So there's something that has been kind of rumbling in my mind in this whole conversation. So when we talk about all the opportunities to engage in the world, I feel like I need to name that that also comes from privilege. And the mm. and the reality is, I think I think there's two things happening. Like as as we're talking about, yes, it is it is me against myself. Like that's really where the power comes from that's where the strength comes from and i just need to honor that for some people it does feel like me against the world and i am just someone that doesn't have that same reality because of how i show up in the world thank you for naming that because it is important that we hold space for a reality that is different than our own So I just want to clarify that this conversation is really about every human's experience and internal battle with himself. This conversation is not to dismiss the realities that others face and experience systemic oppression because of how they show up in the world. And so again, you just want to be very clear on separating these ideas. And what Natalie and I are talking about today is really about the human struggle, that human internal struggle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And thinking about ways to be able to name the story in our head, to be able to develop strategies and tools to be able to show up in the world in a way that those stories don't overtake our lives. I do think it's important to hold space for that. Because even though it might not be my truth, it is someone's truth. Exactly. I also think recognizing that we need to face ourselves can be very intimidating. Oh, yeah. When you hold up a mirror, and I'm not talking about when you get ready in the morning, but like truly hold up a mirror and reflect on who you are and love who you are and how you show up and giving yourself permission to show up as an authentic form of yourself. Like that's scary work to hold up that hypothetical mirror and really get clear on who you are, what you value and how you show up. But to your point, if you don't do that, it's either exhausting because you're constantly cleaning your house, even though you told everybody you didn't, or you're actually either attracting the wrong people or you are alienating people who would totally be your people if you're not showing up as that authentic self. I didn't realize until I, until I faced myself how many people avoid themselves oh absolutely 
Isn't but that, that's a crazy concept. We avoid ourselves because we think that we're imperfect or because we think that we don't deserve or because we're afraid of the hard stuff. And just like we mentioned earlier, there's hard truths for, for everyone and some truths are harder than others. Mm-hmm. And it is sometimes easier to just clam up and avoid the hard stuff. Oh, for sure. Well, and when you are inundated with messages from society that tell you what worthiness looks like, I mean, it is honestly, raising a daughter right now, I am thrilled that there are body positive models, that there are um, women of all ages, of all sizes, who are truly embracing the beauty in in whatever form they show up in. And it is so gratifying as a mom to be able to raise a daughter in that environment as compared to the Barbie generation, which, you know, you need to be a size zero, but you still have to have curves and, right, these unrealistic expectations. And so I'm, again, I'm super grateful that my daughter, although the fashion trends are going back to the 90s which is a little hard for me to fully embrace but I do appreciate that we are finally becoming aware of the messaging that we send as a society on an ongoing basis and so then we wonder like why is it so hard to look in the mirror well because when you're constantly inundated with messages see you're not good enough you don't look like this no you're not good enough you don't have this xyz fill in the blank right And it's not always societal, too. There's a large population of people out there who have uh, generations of familial shame. Yeah, and trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I keep going back to that conversation we had about judgment and curiosity Mm -hmm. and how we can't ever assume somebody's situation because we don't know what they're struggling with. Right. We don't know how many generations deep those habits mm-hmm. are in some of it maybe we don't understand the culture we don't I mean there's so many things that we just don't know and we need to be curious about mm-hmm. which again it's not you against the world it's you against yourself and how you only know the portion of someone's story that they are willing to share and you only know the portion of your story that you're willing to hear. Ooh. So when we have allowed ourselves to believe everybody else's validations or lack thereof, then we've allowed ourselves to celebrate only those things that are going to meet their validations. Yeah. Okay. And then what happens is when we fall short, instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm human, <laughs> or I have a struggle, or I'm tired, or I have a weakness, and that's okay. Right. We dismiss those things and we find other ways to move forward. And that's when we start practicing numbing habits. Mm -hmm. That's when we start developing poor coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when we allow anger to lead ourselves or lead us emotionally. Yeah. We we get disappointed with ourselves and and frustrated and then we we become unhappy. Mm -hmm. And it's not until we allow ourselves to be vulnerable first with ourselves and then with others that we can truly find real happiness. Yeah. That was a 10 year journey. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's still a daily journey. But yeah, that's a that was a ten year journey to accept that truth of you need to love and appreciate yourself before someone else can love and appreciate you as you. Ten years? That's a long time. <laughs> How much journaling did you do during that time? <laughs> well, I told you, I had decades worth of journals. There's a lot of journals in those 10 years. I'll count and I'll report back. <laughs> you just have to get real and call it what it is. And just unapologetically. Yeah. Again, it's... another another thing I love about this generation of youth, like they are unapologetically authentic to who they are yes. and how they show up. Yes. Think about anything else in this world. If you wanted to get something done, but you didn't call it what it was, you wouldn't be able to get it done. Oh yeah, if we didn't name it? Yeah, yes. And when I think about all of this, it goes back to the the tools I have in my toolkit. So meditation, yoga, great friends who are happy to meet for coffee anytime, journaling, exercise right like going for a walk enjoying nature like all of these things that have been developed as tools are now I'm able to practice those so those are all tools that work for me Mm -hmm. and I think it's important for everybody to develop their own toolkit because we all have diverse needs um and it has to work for us because again Mm -hmm. the battle is me against myself I want to go back to what you said about having friends who are happy to meet for coffee Okay, (laughs) because one of the things that we tell ourselves when we are reaching out to others, right? So this whole idea of you against the world versus Mm -hmm. you again, or or instead of you versus you, um, we've got relationships in there, right? You against the world, you against all these potential relationships. So if you reach out to somebody and they're not available for coffee, recognizing that they're not saying no to you. No. They're just saying no to that particular meeting, time, location, whatever. Capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And and so then when we talk about, oh, I want to put myself out there in the world, but nobody's interested in me. Mm. Is that really the case? Or no. is it they have other stuff happening right now? Mm-hmm. It's not that you aren't important to them. It's just they've got other stuff going on. Now, we need to stay curious in those situations because... Maybe they're feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders. Oh, for sure. They want to make you a priority, but they need to do it at a, you know, can we, can we schedule at a different time? Yeah. Or can we have this exchange in a different form? Oh, true story. I just was messaging with a friend earlier today and we were trying to find a time that we could get together. And she's like, well, we could always meet on the weekend. I said, I don't have a free weekend until June. And it was like, oh man, okay, well, let's look during the week okay, um, two weeks from now is the earliest I have. And that like, that has nothing to do with that person. That just has to do with the reality. And again, the season that we're in. And so again, connecting this idea of the season that you're in determines how you're going to show up. And if someone else is showing up in a way that you're like, wait, what? Does Natalie not want to see me anymore? Staying curious in that space of, I wonder why. Is everything okay? When would work for her, right? Because I know it's not about the desire to see one another. It's really about what's happening in our worlds that are preventing that from happening. 
When I talk to my kids in those moments where they just feel totally defeated. Yes. Just Mm -hmm. they're young. They're still learning. They're going to have moments where they just feel very alone or isolated. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have them as adults too, but when I talk to my kids about these moments, I have to remind them, you are loved. You are worthwhile. And then I have to slow, slow them down a little and say, let's look at this situation and walk them through the story that they've created in their head. And then I have to ask, okay, is that fact or is that fiction? Right, right. And what, what can you adjust in this conversation that you're holding with yourself? Mm-hmm. Also, what is worth putting your time into? Because when you talk about you against the world, do you need to be against the world? I mean, if you are against something other than yourself, do you need to at that moment? Well, Do you want to pour energy uh, into that right now? Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. That if you're feeling overwhelmed, giving yourself permission to step back and say, I can't do this right now. It doesn't mean I'm not interested. It doesn't mean it's not valuable to me. It's, It's just not something I can put energy into at this time. And I'd love to circle back with you in a week, in a month, in a year. I don't know, right? But that's, again, giving ourselves permission to instead speak our truth instead of listening to the story we've made up in our head. Like, if I don't do everything, I'm going to disappoint someone. Or if I don't do this or that, someone's not going to like me. Or, right, whatever whatever the story might be. Well, and I can guarantee you that every person you run into is creating that same dialogue in their head. Mm-hmm. We, it's just a very natural thing to do. Yeah. And so that's where that whole vulnerability piece comes in and that curiosity piece. Those are, those are great practices. Mm-hmm. You talked about what you say to your kids. And what I heard you talking about is kids, kids and adults, I mean, everyone, humans in general, we just want to be seen as our most authentic self and know that someone loves and cares for us exactly as we are. And that doesn't mean that it's stagnant, right? There's still growth and there's still learning and because there's experiences that help us evolve. But at the end of the day, in this moment, you see me for who I am and you care about me without judgment or expectation. Yeah. And I like that you made that reference to we're not going to stay stagnant. We're not going to be complacent with who we are. We're going to continue to grow. And so when people say to you, you are worthwhile, I love you for you. Mm-hmm. What they're also saying is, I love you for who you are today and who you're going to be mm-hmm. and everything in between. Absolutely. To me, that is such a powerful and safe relationship. It's a powerful and safe message. Um, I also think we need to remember that if we're going to continue to evolve, we need to recognize others will evolve as well. So we can't continue to hold the same expectations. We can't continue to hold the same judgments mm-hmm. or the, the misconceptions. Mm-hmm. We, we just need to continue to stay open. Well, thank you for being one of those relationships that I feel seen, heard, and valued. I'm so grateful that you are one of these safe spaces. That yeah. I can just show up as me. I love, I love that, that you are that safe space for me too. Thank you for that. It's a, this is honestly, everybody go out and be true to yourself because you will attract the right people and you'll find yourself a Tracy.
It's Aww. just it's just a really special treat. Mm. Thank you, friend. Yes, thank you. All right. To be continued. To be continued. <laughs>